0: This episode, we're gonna be talking about Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. We've just started a series on map making or cartography. We wanted to start out with something that's pretty on the nose. So we've started out with, what else, a movie about maps. In The Last Crusade, Indy and his father, alongside a cast of other characters, are chasing after the Holy Grail, literally the Holy Grail. The tricky part, though, is there's a lot of uncertainty. They only have half of a map, and so they have to work together in order to be able to navigate the terrain, to be able to navigate each new situation as it arises to get towards their destination. And they don't even all have a shared destination. Indy is totally out on this Holy Grill quest in general. He's only going along to save What we know to be his estranged father and doesn't that feel a lot like what navigating our businesses and our lives is most days at best we have half a map and we're trying to figure out how are we going to fill in the other terrain and then how are we going to navigate it
1: first a quick note if you're a long time wonder tourian and you're wondering exactly what's going on here no you haven't stepped into an alternate dimension in the multiverse our friend derek is still alive and well and will be back with us soon he has stepped into the backseat producer's chair for a couple weeks this summer and allowed us to take a little detour on the Wonder Tour. Drew and I are gonna be exploring the world of map making and stories that connect with uh, cartography concepts. All right, so Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, let's get rolling. So what, uh, what did you like about this movie? What's, uh, what sticks out to you as you remember this one?
0: Going back to Indiana Jones, we had a choice to make. We could have gone with the easy option, done Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think that's still one of the better reviewed movies, especially in this type of category of all time. But we went with The Last Crusade. I do think there's a decent portion of the Indiana Jones fan community that thinks that this is the best movie. Am I wrong there? I think as a kid, I probably thought this was the best movie
1: from a sheer joy and you know enjoyment and crazy stuff happening per moment of screen time this one's hard to top i think there's it's easy to see it's a roller coaster ride that quite a bit of quite a bit of enjoyment to be had along the way so i think you're probably right
0: And I love the relationship that we have between Junior and Henry. It's so interesting how they pull in Sean Connery's character, Indy's father here. And honestly, by all accounts, this relationship should be like way too quirky to work in this context and stuff, the way that it's set up. But by some movie magic, they pull it off and it ends up being just absolutely hilarious throughout.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is the original conception for the Indiana Jones character and series when Spielberg and Lucas were pulling this together for the first movie was very much an homage to the, you know, adventure comics and pulp fiction of the, the 30s and 40s. And this is maybe the fullest realization of that, where it's almost kind of cartoon comic book levels of action and banter and character archetypes. But in, you know, Spielberg and Lucas fashion, they managed to stay just shy of being way over the top it stays light and fun and engaging and hits a lot of really powerful points all along the way so i think we'll we'll get to navigate all those as we go here
0: yeah there's definitely a moment at the end when donovan drinks out of the wrong pup oh my gosh yeah well watching let me tell you watching that in ultra hd for the first time as i rewatched this movie That was a little bit much. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I literally think I was watching a cartoon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's broad and it's simple and it's fun, but it's really well executed. And there's some really fun stuff to chew on. So let's uh, let's let's get to that part. And I think the thing that we talked about here is really this, the the map at the center of this movie and especially the map with no names. Everybody is sort of aware that there's a goal that you could go towards literally the Holy Grail. And there is, as you said, they're working with half a map for most of the movie. They know part of what they need to know to get there, but they don't have the whole story.
0: How often do you find yourself working without half a map? And it can be like you're missing the front half, you're missing the back half, you're missing the middle half. I mean, honestly, maybe missing the middle half is the most common that place I find myself in.
1: Yeah, that's a real thing, right? There's the the idea that we've got we've got some idea of what the goal is on the other side and we've got some idea of some of the obstacles in between us and the goal, but we either don't really understand like where we need to start, where we are now, or we've got a little couple steps in the right direction and there's just a big gap of how to cross it to get there. This movie has some good examples. There are a couple different approaches to that, right? One is the just, you know, just drive there and go mess around and see what happens is the indie approach to things. There is the Henry approach to things, which is let's do an infinite amount of research and see if we can dig out somebody else that already figured out. And there's the Nazi approach to things. Let's let's throw infinite resources at it and just use people whatever way we can.
0: I think Indy takes more of a divergent approach. Right. So he's like, well, we don't know where the map goes from here. So let's just try to find the borders of the map and engage with the uncertainty we'll use that to figure out where we're going, where, like you said, his dad is all about, no, 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 let's find the point that we need to be at on the edge of the map to be able to continue into the next part of the map. Then the Nazis are all about converging, forced convergence, essentially, <laughs> on the map. They're They're basically just, all right, well, let's find the people who know some things about this. And in true Nazi fashion, let's just kind of torture them and make them do the thing for us.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Spielberg's good with his. Uh, the, the bad guys are not subtle here.
0: No, the bad guys are way over the top here. That's part right. of the cartoony fun nature of it. I, I love the moment when Harrison Ford is pretending to be the German officer. <laughs> he throws the guy out the window. No ticket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes they 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 have a lot of fun with this and like you said playing off the character archetypes of henry's worldview and problem-solving techniques versus indies and we can we'll talk about that more later for sure let's talk about the kind of the concept of the, this map you know whether it's the map with no names or just in general the like what's the value of the map in this story like why is it such a key element of the motivating the player's actions
0: Well, one piece of it, the easy one, is some of the players in the game, and now we're getting a little bit back into game theory, but you have to in map making, I think. Some of the players in the game, their goal is to reach the Holy Grail. And isn't this, I'm already starting to take business parallels here, but I'll try to avoid that for a few more minutes. So some of the players in the game, like Henry, like the Nazis, they just want to find the Holy Grail. Other players in the game, like Indy, are essentially along for the ride. They're more involved as secondary motivations. And so Indy needs a map only so that there's ground underneath of his feet, essentially. Like, I know that's very conceptual, but... I, I can say that I play a little bit more of the indie role more often. I need a map only so that I know where my that my next foot isn't going to be off a cliff. <laughs> I prefer to deal in uncertainty because I think there is an advantage in dealing in uncertainty. And from my perspective, there's two purposes here. One is so that we can reach the X that marks the spot at the end. And the other one is, well, because we're in a progressing story and we need to continue to progress in that story. So we at least need something that's out in front of us that we can follow.
1: Yeah. And in in a leadership context, that's the idea that the map is not everything. The map's not even really a story, right? But the map is very easy to digest. If you've got it in front of you and you have some idea where you are, you've got the essential elements from how to get from A to B. And it's a thing that you can sort of document the known knowledge, the things that we know laid out in a spatial arrangement so we know how they relate to each other. And that's a really powerful thing. Like it's the underpinning for the story. It's not the story itself. It's not, the the map is not the terrain. The map is not the events. The map is not the story, but it is the essential, you know, it it is an essential enabler for people to decide how they're gonna proceed and how to, you know, what goals
0: they're gonna pursue. And that's the key when we think about a map, not to think like we're going on a road trip and we need to have the map out in front of us, you know, like a physical map in the olden days out in front of us on the dashboard sprawled out as we're driving on a family trip, (laughs) trying to figure out where we're going. The idea in business and in life is not that we have that sort of a map and we're just trying to make sure that we take the right exit. The map in business exists so that we have some grounding of the narrative. Basically, it's it's to say, OK, here are some of the objects that we're going to run into and here is roughly where we think they're going to be. So you need more or less accuracy of the map depending on exactly how you're using it. And sometimes it's even okay not to have a high level of accuracy at all, but just to know that this area of the map, we have very little information about so if we choose to navigate that part of the map, that will require additional energy for us to navigate it. Probably we should project additional cost or additional schedule time to be able to navigate it. But we think that going through that uncertainty is better than the alternative of taking the long way around where maybe we have a little bit more visibility.
1: Right, right. That makes sense. And I like you, you called back to the, you know, the old old fashioned, you know, if you actually have a physical map. But it's interesting where our default here in 2022, as we as we record this is, most of us have been using you know, digital, interactive, computer-enabled maps for a decade or more as sort of our standard way of navigating around the world. And there's a lot of shortcuts to that, right? It makes your life a lot easier because you can basically just plug in a destination and it tells you exactly what turns to take and you eventually get there. And, you know, you can count on it to do a lot of the heavy lifting, including the there's traffic or weather or a detour and you should do this other thing instead. Like you can, we're used to that. And that's actually, it's a really great example of how powerful that is. If you have all the information in real time and expert advice, you don't need to make a lot of decisions yourself, right? You just need to go execute it. But if we go back to the Indiana Jones era, or certainly back to the mythical Holy Grail era, right? Like the map was all you had, and it was a physical artifact of the shared information at the level of detail that they knew it, or at the level of detail that would fit on one big piece of paper. And so it's this incredibly useful thing, but there was a lot of expertise required to interpret it properly, to look at it and know what the terrain lines meant, or look at it and know how far those distances really were and what might be likely encountered. And it was necessarily lacking in an incredible amount of detail. So that thinking about, like you said, what level of detail of map we need to make and thinking about... How much information do we actually have and how much help can we provide our people as they try to navigate this terrain? There are very different versions of navigation depending on how well it's known and how much help you're getting along the way. If you can provide your team with Google Maps, great. You know, they won't have to do anything other than just execute. They just, just follow the turn-by-turn directions. But they're not going to learn how to navigate and they're certainly not going to learn how to make a map. Many of us don't even know the cities we live in very well anymore because we don't ever actually have to look at the layouts. We just plug in a destination and it
0: tells us where to go. Yeah, that granular map is perfect when you're just trying to manage operations. And sometimes you want to have that level of certainty when you're putting a map in the hands of a newbie, right? It's like, hey, we need to give you like very clear process to follow here. We don't want to strip the tactics and the strategy from you, but to start out, just look at this map and understand this is roughly what's going on around you. (laughs) You know, if you go up there, there's mountains. If you go down there, there's rivers that cross over maybe there's a bridge, maybe there isn't, but that sort of a map is really helpful. Now we're kind of getting into the uncertainty aspect. So Brian, do you wanna take us into the moment here so that we can start to talk about how do we navigate that uncertainty? Because in the end, this whole map making series is about learning how to navigate as leaders.
1: Yeah, and learning how to synthesize the story from the map, right? We've got the facts, we know which things are where, we've got them laid out, now we need to decide what to do. So part of the leadership job is getting that layout constructed and then part of the job is like actually setting a direction. So very broad movie. Some, uh, some elements of this movie are are quite on the nose for an adventure story, but the, the obvious one is the Crossroads moment. We have one of the great adventure movie chase scenes that takes up like 25 minutes in the middle of this movie that starts with them getting on the blimp and ends with an airplane chase and a car chase and an airplane blowing up in the tunnel and a whole variety of other things, misdirection with the boat and the motorcycle that we'll talk about in a little bit, but ends up with Henry and Indy on a motorcycle, literally at a crossroads that gives them the two possible choices for how to proceed for the rest of the movie. Up until this point, our hero, Indy, has been purely in this, he's purely part of this story, he's purely part of this adventure for personal relationship reasons. I'm going to go rescue my dad. That is the only thing he cares about up until this very moment. Henry has his entire life been only into this for, let's go, you know, we should, we should search out the Holy Grail. You know, this is, the, this is my life's mission. And so they're sitting at the crossroads and the choices are get the heck out of there and go somewhere safe or ride the motorcycle into Berlin and go get his book back so that they have the clues of how to survive the trial so that they can go get the Holy Grail so again a little bit on the nose but it's but these moments of now we know the terrain and we have a safe choice and a moonshot choice ahead of us you know they're usually not quite that stark they're usually not quite that uh dramatic in implication but these choices happen all the time once you understand the terrain then you've got to make some choices about which pieces of it to go so i don't know if you've got an example or uh that you've been through or you can think of you know how this relates to your work experience Drew
0: the journal is perfect so i just want to talk generally and then we'll get specific here so when you're sitting at that crossroads and there's a lot of uncertainty right the map we don't exactly have a physical map of where to go next there's no google maps and so there's an opportunity to say okay uncertainty is a problem uncertainty is you know okay there's the map isn't written here we've reached the edge of certainty For most humans, uh, in my experience, we like certainty. Certainty reduces our anxiety. So even if it's not perfect, we prefer to have a map out in front of us (laughs) just so that we at least feel like there's some certainty. Even if we're kind of kidding ourselves, So I think the edge of certainty is kind of where I want to start out here generally is, okay, but is the uncertainty a bad thing? And how uncertain actually is it? Because when we go to navigate areas where the map is kind of ending, it's critical as leaders to not think of it as if their map is totally ending. Just because that physical piece of paper, if we're thinking about the map as a physical piece of paper or whatever, is reached the end, or it becomes blank at this point, doesn't mean that our mental map is ending. Our mental map, of what's going on out past that should still exist because theoretically, we have knowledge of the objects in the universe. We have knowledge of the overall storylines. We have knowledge of the other characters involved in the plot. So to be able to take that next step, it's not like we don't have a map. It's not like it's completely uncertain. We do have most of the objects we need and we can operate with our base models that we've developed in our heads, especially when we have multiple people who have collective models that we can kind of synthesize together. So I just want to start by saying that as we talk about what to do when you only have half a map, well, first off, we need to understand that it's not that we only have half of a map. You have the journal, and the journal has information in it. You have a location. You have coordinates of where the other players on the game board are. These can be used in some ways to kind of echolocate portions of the map and figure out, okay, well, there's a mountain over there because I can see that in the distance. And maybe I don't have all the measuring devices I need to even figure out how far that mountain is, but there are things I know about mountains, right? (laughs) Mountains may or may not have a way over or through them. They're going to cause additional energy for me to navigate them for sure versus just flat land. Or you know if there's a forest, (laughs) Lord of the Rings example, right? If we're going to go through a forest, there's probably going to be some elves in there. There's probably going to be some dark beings, maybe some spiders. Okay, the Giant forest. Spiders.
1: <laughs> Giant spiders. <laughs> yes, that's my, that, yeah, that's my Derek interjection for the for the day. <laughs> giant spiders.
0: We all yeah, different people are afraid of, of spiders, right? Or of different things on the map. So at the crossroads, I just want to have this starting point of the map isn't ending. It's just we're moving from a physical map to a mental map now. And the mental map requires a little bit different of an exercise in order to understand it.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's interesting, because as you're talking about it, what I'm thinking is, as you talk about this sort of fearless explorer in the past, right, you're switching skill sets and they're at the edge of their comfort zone. Right. The, the comfortable thing to do is to turn around and go, you know, let's go be safe. Let's get the heck away from the Nazis. We have a little bit of a role reversal here where the the fearless explorer, the Indiana Jones character is like, let's go be safe. And the the archaeologist Latin expert who is not an adventurer at all is like, no, we're going to go into the den of the Nazis and then go after the Holy Grail because he's latched onto the higher purpose and because he's got Indy with him. And he's like, we've got the exploring skills. So like what you're talking about is the, the mental map. Some of that is knowledge, and some of that is confidence that I know I've done this kind of thing before, and I can explore, and we you know we can go do that. So we'll definitely spend some time talking about that in a, in the second part of this episode. But that decision point of just recognizing that the decision you're making is not just which way to go, but which kind of skills you're gonna need. Are we going back on a familiar terrain and doubling down or are we intentionally exploring? Are we going into unknown territory with the idea that we're going to have to start solidifying the map in the unknown places or we're taking some risks and so we're going to have to change the way we behave or have
0: to believe that there's a potential reward at the other end that's worth going after? So to take it to a business example here, when you're navigating change, and again, I know, Brian, that's for us and Derek, then a lot of our careers is how do we navigate change? How do we navigate transformation? There's different ways that we can approach that. So one way, once we've kind of reached the end of our map as a team, as a company, whatever, we can look at it and say, well, we're pioneers. And so we should know what our roles are here to some extent, right? If there is no, if there's nothing further out there, if you're on the far edges of AI technology, <laughs> there's not other companies that are going out further than you, then you can kind of know that you're pioneers. That doesn't mean that there's no map, but it means, like you said, there's different skill sets that we need to take forward. There's a different approach to it. Maybe we need to do more research before we take the next step. But on the flip side, if your strategy is not to operate as the pioneers, and instead, you know, there are other competitors or there are other business domains where people are doing something that's related to what you're doing some of those models already exist so to think that we have to then chart the entire map ourselves is unnecessary because one of the approaches that can be taken is the outside-in approach so maybe to simplify it we can take the outside-in approach or the inside-out approach to map making the outside-in approach just says let's go consult the experts let's bring in consultants let's bring in people from other industries who do a similar thing to this let's bring in academia where somebody's studying this specifically the flip side of that is the inside out, which says we would prefer to synthesize the map from the ground up. We don't want people for our purposes to tell us where the different things on the map are, what the different things on the map are. Because if we take that, if we take their word for where those things are, and what those things are, then we're just going to navigate the path the way that everybody else has always navigated the path. And we're going to get there after the Nazis already have the Holy Grail.
1: Right. Well, yeah. And you got you got to the point that I was going to make, which was that some of that decision tree is being a fast follower a valid strategy, right? Is it okay to get there second and then learn from past mistakes and double down on it, or is it winner take all? Is it the you know the first one that gets there gets the whole prize? So in this case, we have a classic winner take all situation. (laughs) So of course they they don't have the opportunity to like, oh let's just wait and see if the Nazis find the Holy Grail and then we can go find it ourselves. Like that's not really a thing. But like you said in, in business, a lot of times you do have that opportunity where There are some domains where you don't need to be the pioneer. There's some domains that, like, well, let somebody else figure out the best practices and then we'll use them to get smarter because we're busy innovating over here or we're busy mining this other area for, you know, as much value as we can get. So I think that's a calling back to the crossroads decision, right? That having that in mind when you're presented with that crossroads decision is, does that mean that we're going to be explorers and pioneers in this space or is this direction well mapped? And are we interested in being pioneers in this space? Are we willing to do the extra work that it's going to take?
0: So let's take this to a personal example then, because we've talked about the outside in approach versus the inside out approach to map making. And knowing that in the end, of course, those are two, that's like black and white saying like, we're going to do it one way versus we're going to do it the other way. But that's not really how it's going to work. We're going to use some combination of outside in and inside out. But I would say from a personal perspective, your journey is unique. All journeys are the same. All journeys are different. But each of our journeys is unique. And so there is a level of inside out that has to happen where we have agency, we have to make decisions, we have to progress our own stories, and thus we have to synthesize the map. And on the flip side, though, especially in the personal world, we are very rarely pioneers. Somebody else has been through this before. So to be able to create the map, I think the outside in approach is pretty critical to try to be able to create the map, to try to find the right skill sets, find the right knowledge. And first put those markers, at least to get the big markers on the map, then come back with the lower level details of, okay, how do we traverse those big rocks?
1: Yeah, well, and the people using a map is by definition outside in, right? Somebody else figured out this terrain and I'm going to use it and I'm going to navigate through it. But somebody made the map. And if you have the opportunity, if you know you're covering new terrain or if you just got a different perspective on which things to put on the map, you may have the opportunity from your inside out to provide the map for somebody else. And so looking for those opportunities and looking for that, you know, realizing which role you're in. And I think that's what we'll sneak preview for episode two here. We'll talk a little bit about there are very different skill sets required depending on which of those things you're doing. And a lot of times they're complementary. A lot of times you do need external perspective and the specialist perspective and the explorer
0: perspective. That's a perfect transition, Brian. That can take us into our next episode here. Just to summarize, we talked about how to navigate uncertainty in business and life. What do we do when we don't necessarily have a map? And we kind of came to the conclusion that there is an outside-in approach where we can utilize all of the maps and objects that other people have created versus the inside-out approach where we then go to actually traverse and kind of synthesize the lower and mid-levels of that map ourselves. So I think that's a great transition to take us into part two, where we'll do a deeper dive on what the different skill sets look like and maybe how do we integrate those skill sets together in order to solve big problems.
1: And just to reemphasize the point of recognizing when you're at a crossroads and recognizing what decision you're making at those crossroads, are you embarking on an exploratory phase or are you traveling well-mapped territory and making sure that you kind of have in mind the implications of that decision and, and make it intentionally
0: when you don't recognize you're at a crossroads you can sit at that crossroads for a long time or you can just kind of like stumble down a road
1: <laughs> all right well looking forward to the second part of this discussion thank you so much for joining us for episode one of brian and drew wonder tour and we're looking forward to indiana jones the last crusade part two and just remember character is destiny